0: Michael and Trevor Tolo here from A Shot of Business Central on a Beer. And on today's podcast, Ken Sebahar and myself interview Martin Karlovich, the owner of Netronic. Uh, we'll be chatting about Netronic's Business Central Visual Scheduler Apps for Manufacturers, Martin's State of Business Central and Manufacturing Report, and of course, German beer. Let's get started. Ken and Michael here from A Shot at Business Central and a Beer Podcast. And on this episode, we have the true fortune of being joined by Martin Karlovich, who is the owner of Netronic. Uh, The Netronic visual scheduling stack offers Gantt chart software, uh, providing operational agility for developers, Business Central, NAV, and SMB manufacturing. How's that for a plug? (laughs) So what's going on, Ken and Martin? How's everybody doing today?
1: doing well um i'm I'm really excited to have martin with us uh today we're going to learn a little bit about martin's background and experience with dynamics uh 365 business central um some apps that he has available and then really interesting um he he has uh published a survey on manufacturing for business central and i'm really excited to dive into uh, some of the insights that he's been able to uh, glean from that. So welcome, Martin. We're happy to have you with us today.
2: thank Thank you, Ken. and thank you, michael, for for having me. i'm I'm absolutely honored. and this was most likely the best introduction that somebody gave about myself. so i'm uh, I'm a little bit blushed. and uh, now now you made me nervous to uh, to meet the expectation that you raised with the uh, introduction. <laughs>
1: Well, that's, nah, we that's no why. That's that. why. Yeah, that's why we usually drink beer, Martin. It takes the edge <laughs> off a little bit.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, I, 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 actually, because I'm German, I have three with me here. So now, maybe I open the first now. There you
1: go. <laughs> it's not a bad idea.
0: You've and been then, a guest the way, on the show before with three beers ready. i like a seasoned yeah, uh, shot at Business Central guest.
2: Yeah. No, I. And I'm. Uh, um, it's after four at Germany, so I'm officially allowed to drink.
0: There you go. <laughs> Great, great, great. So, Martin, if you could maybe just start out a little bit about telling us who you are, you know, your background, maybe about you know how you became the owner of Natronic, I think it's a pretty interesting story that the listeners
2: would love to know. Okay, so then, um, then you have three episodes if I tell my story, but no, I try to keep, <laughs> the, I try to keep this short. Um, so I'm not not a naturally born entrepreneur. So I uh, I studied business economics. I did my PhD in financial controlling. And at that point of time, I was uh, I was working also on consultancy projects uh, for the university that where I wrote my thesis. And I recognized that I'm good at financial controlling, but that this was not something that I wanted to enjoy for the rest of my professional career. Um, and, and while I was doing so, I started actually to write a lot about my work and I started to... Uh, um, write some publications on on what I did in these uh, research projects and in this consultancy project and actually found out that um, I had some hidden writing skills that I enjoyed. So I thought that I should seek for a job that combines my analytical education with the writing skills that I just uh, uh, explored. My first job uh, brought me then in a combination of analytics and uh, communication, and that was uh, um, investor relations for a small German startup after of a small German technology company after their IPO. So I did this for a couple of years, and then from there grew from an uh, investor relations role into a marketing role, and then thought it would be time to move on and learn actually marketing from those guys who know it best, and these are the Americans, so we Germans are not good at marketing. So I then joined an American company as their initially marketing director for Germany and uh, Belgium and uh, the Netherlands. Um, Quite quickly got promoted to head their European marketing team. So I I was managing a team that was bigger than Netronic is today, uh, all across Europe. Um, The company I worked for was Sybase. They got acquired by SAP. So welcome back to Germany. And while I was making my way into um, SAP, um, I, I got a call from somebody of my network. Um, I actually was at the airport. Um, my phone rang and he asked me, hey, look, Martin, um, I know that that Sybase uh, uh, got acquired by SAP. So there's some wind of change in your life anyway. So what would you think about taking over a company. So we are doing a management buyout with a German company. The founder wants to retire. And we thought about you taking over and buying some some shares. So I literally dropped the phone at the airport, picked it up and say, "Whoa, never thought about it, but thanks for calling. Let me give it a thought on my flight back and then I will call you again. And so then never say never, I looked at the opportunity. Um, i started to look at netronic i i sat down with these business development guys who brought the opportunity and uh, met the founder of netronic um and then at the end uh, i decided to make the move from being an uh, employee to a large organization to becoming the entrepreneur of a small organization to um, I had to go back to my bank again, who just gave me some money to uh, to build a house and say, hey, Lee, I need more money because I now want to buy a company or I want to buy parts of a company. And um, they called me oh. crazy, but I, I could convince them <laughs> that uh, that was less crazy than the bankers thought. And then, uh, yeah, I bought some shares of Netronic and... Um, Uh, The rest went, uh, for the time being, Netronic bought some own shares that we could use to bring in somebody else on board and also the the business development guys uh, bought some shares. So then on the 1st of April, I joined, uh, 2011, I joined Netronic as the new owner and managing director. And since then, I'm running the company. And uh, in the meantime, I could convince my brother to uh, leave exciting city of berlin um, in germany and join us here in in aachen where actually our where we where we have been raised up so our parents still live quite close actually to our office and now he joined me and now we are running uh, netronic as a brother's business um sharing shares sharing responsibility sharing pain and sharing pleasure
1: <laughs> wow what a, what a great story what a huge leap to take uh, right from the kind of relative security of a uh, of a uh, being an employee to uh, to taking that taking that giant leap forward, huh? Um, that, that's really yeah, impressive.
2: I'm, it sounds it sounds giant. Um, I would say it was giant, but the decision was made uh, because at that point of time I was very naive. I think if you if you are uh, if you aren't naive enough, then you don't make this kind of decision so um i i had <laughs> yeah. some tough years in the beginning but now it's uh things are things and electronic are developing pretty fine um we found our niche to work in we have we have developed a good strategy for the company we have a, a built quite a quite a good portfolio of new products and now now it's actually really fun and uh, um but it was tough yeah. in the beginning but
1: that's yeah. So let So so. How did. Um, so when 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 you when you got there, was Netronic doing anything with Dynamics NAV at the time? And 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 how did you. Um, you know how how did you get into Business Central? And and where do you stand today in terms of apps?
2: Yeah. Good question. So Netronic was doing nothing with Navision at that point of time, but Navision was doing something with Netronic. So, and um, when I joined Netronic, we actually were um a software component vendor so we were building gantt chart software that we that we sold to any other software developer who was building planning and scheduling software and um, who decided not to make their gantt chart on their own but to buy a component and then actually a lot of software companies bought the netronic gantt chart because it was and is is leading so we were we were a To supplier to this tool supplier to the software industry, and at that point of time, I would say 90% of our revenue came from other software uh, companies, and and one of our customers actually was and is Microsoft. Um, So Microsoft bought our technology in, I think 2004 or 2005, uh, both for Navision and for um, Exactor. So in AX they they had like three different Gantt um, charts, and in uh, in uh, Navision they had the classic client production scheduler, which actually Microsoft developed, um, I think, 2004, 2005, with the help of some Netronic people. But since then, there was this barebound production scheduler in the classic client Navision, and Microsoft was and just is an Netronic customer. They pay us some maintenance still because they still have to serve some. Uh, except our customers who use the old Gantt chart, and at that point of time, they also paid us uh, their maintenance fees for using our software within the vision. But we never had any real go-to-market strategy with uh, the vision. From time to time, we had contact with the vision partners who weren't happy with what Microsoft did with our technology. And then we helped them to make this a little bit different. Um but but that's it. And then, what happened is is um, uh, when I took over Netronic, I I actually um, had to make my mind on where and how to grow the company. And and typically, um, very basically, you have two options to grow. Uh, I mean, you can build uh, additional product for existing customer and for an existing market, or you can leverage on your core competence and build new products for new markets. And um, as the the overall market being a tool vendor to the software industry is quite tough and um, it's, a, it's a high volume, low price and comparably low margin business, I decided actually to build on the core competence that we had and take our Gantt chart competence and build some additional products for new markets and so i was actually on the search for customers and market that would need these kind of chart and as we call it now visual scheduling capabilities and while i was on the search for um this market the market found us and that was the dynamics the vision partners and the reason why they uh quite out of the sudden found us was because microsoft from time to time they changed their technology and there were times when they uh, discontinued the classic client and invented the role-tailored client, which now also is uh, uh, is discontinued for the favor of the web client and business center. But in the move from the classic client to the role-tailored client, they they kicked out every third-party technology from their solution. And so actually they kicked out our Gantra technology from Navision. Um, which we initially thought would be a bad thing because if you build software for software developers and you can say, hey, Microsoft is our customer, then this gives you credibility. And now this like shining customer kicked us out. Um but what 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 it turned out that this would be the best thing that Microsoft could do for us, um, because they were, although the the old classic client production scheduler was I would say not the best in the world um there were customers who used it and there were partners who sold it to customers and so now out out of a the sudden these partners had a problem because they couldn't upgrade their customers because they couldn't deliver the functionality so they figured out hey this classic client scheduler was built with technology from a company called netronic from germany so they reached out to us they uh and then we pre- presented what we had and what you could actually do with our software. And everybody whom I talked to in, in late 2011, beginning 2012, got really excited about the capabilities we had, but nobody, or almost nobody bought the product because in order to work with the component that we had it at that point of time, you needed to have .NET development skills, which were rare in the NAV channel at that point of time. So I actually told myself, hey, I need to figure out what is wrong with these nav guys why do they give me great feedback on the product but do not buy this and um i need to make my mind if i if i if i can sell it to them or if they just keep me busy with demoing but not purchasing it. so and then um cut the long short uh, i went to directions uh, in 2012 and as directions EMEA was already fully booked i went to wonderful phoenix uh, in arizona in 2012 which was my first directions ever to figure out what the nav channel is and what they need and why they don't buy what i have and then i learned about seaside and cal i learned about the client extensibility framework and then actually in phoenix arizona i made the decision that we at netronic should invest in closing the gap between what we had to offer and Navision. And so we learned a bit of Navision, we learned a bit of Seaside, we learned a bit of CAL, and built the visual production scheduler for NAV, um, which we launched in 2013. And this was not the worst decision of my life, but it was one of the better decisions, because right now, what we do for Business Central has become... The, the biggest part of our company and the, the biggest contributor to revenue and to EBIT, so it's the growth engine of Netronic.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I as you're sharing that story, I rem- I, I, I remember living through uh, all of that back. What back when the production schedule was in Navision, yeah, and uh, it was there, and then and then and then one day it was no longer there.
2: It was and, gone. Uh,
1: yeah. It was it was really disappointing. Um, you know, just because people, you know, uh, I, I think it's uh, a a pretty common expectation that that clients have that there is some sort of visual scheduling tool available. Yeah. Yes. You know, and and then all of a sudden, you know, and we do a lot of manufacturing business, and or you know, with manufacturing companies, and and all of a sudden, there, you know, now there was you know a gap in the in the in the uh, you know in that area. So and, and and now it is is uh, well filled, right? By actually multiple product offerings. So you guys have actually two at least versions of your apps available on App Source, correct? Can you tell us a bit, little bit about the the apps that you have
2: available? Yeah. So so now in the meantime, we made we we from year to year uh, kind of. D- uh, d- uh, d- dived deeper into Navision and the Business Central. We got to learn more about it. Um, we also made some some decisions where we got a bloody nose, but I think right now we have sorted out quite well what we can do, what we can't do, what we want to do and what we do not want to do. So um, we start having um, a quite clear focus on on manufacturing companies and a bit also on professional services companies, but most of the time it's manufacturing. So either if they use the um, the manufacturing capabilities of Business Central or if they are more on the, let's say, project manufacturing, engineering to other side of things, then they might use the jobs module with the resource planning. And so we have now visual scheduling it in both for um, those customers who work with the jobs and the resource planning model, and this is there's one extension that is called the Visual Job Scheduler. It is on App Source, and it is the visual drag and drop front end to, to jobs and job planning line and job tasks and resources. And then when it comes to customers working with the uh with the manufacturing capabilities, we actually have two add-ins. We have still have our let's say the bread and butter product, which is the visual production scheduler, which is the uh, the visual drag and drop front and to the standard business central manufacturing capabilities. And um, this is still the, the product that evolved from what Microsoft did in 2004 with our technology. And now um, we made it again for Navision and we made it for Business Central. Um, the principle is the same. I think the way we did it now is, is uh, much better actually as to what Microsoft did in uh, uh, 2024, but the principles and the thoughts behind are still the same. And then on top of this, we actually over the years being engaged with uh, Navision and Business Central partners and customers, we learned actually that in the core manufacturing um, module um, and, and capabilities, there are some gaps that turn out to be critical for larger manufacturers, for manufacturers with, with with more volatility in their processes, with higher volume of production orders, um, and they need some additional capabilities that also out-of-the-box Business Central does not offer. So for those customers, we actually started to build additional functionality into Business Central and then make this available um, for more advanced production scheduling. So when it comes to production scheduling, we have two products. We have the pure manual drag and drop scheduler, which is the visual production scheduler, and then we have a product called VAPS, Visual Advanced Production Scheduler, which takes scheduling to the next level, which provides and which closes some gaps basically that there are in the core in the in the standard manufacturing capabilities. So yeah, we have three apps. Two for production scheduling, one for jobs and resource scheduling. They're all on Epson's.
1: Interesting, yeah. So the so the jobs one that's interesting, and then and then in the manufacturing, if I if I understand this correctly, put it into let's see if I can uh, kind of translate that into my speak here is is like that the, the visual scheduler solution that with the um, effectively is a visual representation of the data in Business Central. Um, Right, and and it allows you to. There's some drag and drop functionality there, Correct. but but you're Correct. you're using all of the all of the standard business central uh, business logic and and whatnot, and then the advanced yes. the advanced version, the advanced Visual Scheduler, you've actually embedded some additional uh, features, functionality, logic in there that actually uh, kind of changes the capabilities of scheduling that that's, that's fruit. correct yes okay. yes that's interesting. Yeah. yeah yeah so yeah and we're seeing you know our our general what we're seeing in the market overall here in the in the US is predominantly where we're you know doing business is that uh, a lot of the a lot almost all of our customers have some sort of value added process right the, yes. uh, you know it's getting harder and harder to compete just as a pure play distributor um, and and so there is some element of manufacturing or production uh, in their processes. So so this is you know we're getting seeing more and more requests for these types of visual scheduling
2: products. Yeah, that's good to hear. And we see it not not just with you guys, but this is something that we see more or less on a on a global scale.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so it
2: seems like yeah. Go
1: ahead, Michael. Do you have a question?
0: No, I was. Just, I'm curious to know though when what your thoughts were when um. You know, uh, Microsoft basically made this switch from uh, using objects only within software to having to build apps and extensions. Was that a was that a big deal to you? I mean, did it did it affect your company? Was it was it a little bit nerve wracking, or did you not mind at all?
2: So, um. <laughs> it, there are two elements to it so i personally i liked it very much because um i, I do not and i i personally liked it uh, for for um for two reasons i i fundamentally do not believe in buying the full software stack from one company especially when it comes to erp i i do not think that they can that that, that a great ERP system or an ERP system that delivers value for a, a good value for a customer cannot be built from one company because you can have the, the basic system, but then it needs to get tuned and it needs to get adapted and it needs to combine manufacturing, distribution, sales and whatever functions all in one. And I think that there cannot be one company in the world that has both the generalistic and the specialist uh, knowledge to to really achieve what matters for the customers and and the way to overcome these limitations are apps um so that you have a very very solid base system and then let specialists provide special specialist functionality with um specialist apps and i have experienced this actually in my previous life when um companies that I worked for uh, were early, heavily early adopters of Salesforce.com and Salesforce.com used to have these app marketplace since the very beginning. And I could could just could observe what benefits this has. And I was super, super excited and delighted when Microsoft came up with the idea of having this very, very strong and solid and proven ERP system now, available as a cloud system, but have it enrichable by app. So um, when they announced it, actually, and and, and and I heard first about it at directions, and then they had the uh, capability to sign up for whatever I do not know what program this is, because Microsoft has too many programs that I can't <laughs> remember all the names, but it was a program that you can jump on. If you want to be an early adopter contributor of whole this whole apps thing, and I I sat down at Directions and submitted a form uh, that we wanted to contribute or participate in this program. So that was me as a person. Of course, for us as a company, it was a major step. And and when I when I came back to the development team, I said, look, I signed up for this program. They all were like. <laughs> what? <laughs> they, 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 we had, had the situation <laughs> that that every employee knew that this most stupid person in the company would be the boss. So we had this situation and they told <laughs> me why this wouldn't work and why this was too early and why it's not the best idea to run uh, after every trend. So we had all these arguments. So for us as a company, making this move was really big because, I mean, we we had we had to learn al and we had to learn how to build the app and we had to learn how to uh, run the the uh, app source certification process and there were a zillion of things in between also a zillion of architectural decisions that we had to make where would the data live uh, how to access the data how to make sure that everything is performant even if it is in an environment that we do not control so there were there were more questions that we had than I can uh, list in this in this podcast. So we had both we, we had both the situation. So me personally, being 100% from day one, 100 100% convinced that this is the right thing to do. But then um, and super enthusiasm for this. And then well, I had to make my reality check and see as to how and when we could execute it. But overall, I think um. We still were quite early with getting our products into AppSource, and we also made some tests with other products that we then uh, later on took away. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a it, it was a big move, but for me, it was a, it was the natural move, and it was the right move strategically, both from Microsoft, but also for us as an ISV.
0: Yeah, I love it. Everybody in the beginning usually is unhappy with the person who has the vision, right? So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah,
2: and 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 now and now you 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 can get it personalized, but still upgradable. You you're still working on standard, and you get the personalization with apps. And then there there might be uh, some gaps that are that are left. But then um, guys like you can build a per tenant app, and then the customer out, the, the customer has the personalized ERP system or the personalized business management solution, but this is upgrade but but one that is upgradable and one that can can grow with them rather having this monolithic thing that was built once um in a five year project and then uh, turned uh, live. And then everybody said, Okay, now, never touch a running system. I think these days are gone.
0: Yeah, I think so. I agree with you. Ken, any more questions about uh, Martin's apps over there at
1: No, no. I think uh, I, I I love them. I love having all these options, like Martin said, out on AppSource, available for for different clients with different needs. Uh, the ability to 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 you know implement them quickly and efficiently, and even test them out. You know, in a in a trial environment, without getting a development team involved, uh, these are all great things that end up with uh, you know helping helping Business Central users. Um, you know, so let's. Uh, I, I do want to take a little bit, make sure we have some time here, because uh, one of the things that Martin, you've you've spent, I'm guessing, <laughs> quite a bit of time on, <laughs> is is uh, a report, a survey, and report. Um, called the State of Business Central and Manufacturing. And um I, I really want to, you know, give you an opportunity to talk about this a little bit because I, I think it's really cool that um, you know, it's I think of it like you're you know giving back to the community um you know by 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 providing this. Mm-hmm. Uh so uh what was you know give us a little bit of background. How'd you uh decide to do this? what is it yeah. and, and and how'd why? you decide to do it?
2: Yeah yeah, so um, what what is it? It is a global market survey that I did uh, among business and partners and customers that are from the manufacturing industry. Um why did I do it? Well, one of the one of the repeating patterns for my decision making process is being naive. So <laughs> I was <laughs> completely naive and underestimated the effort. But no, um, n- 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 no kidding. I think uh, sometimes, and this is also true for this uh, this survey, a need is the mother of invention. And I I said earlier how I personally, but also we as a company, stumbled into, um, or were actually pulled into the uh, Navision channel by Navision partners, and we didn't know anything about Navision, and we didn't at that point of time know anything about manufacturing and only a bit about scheduling but we did we knew a lot about visualization and Gantt charts and i think the the more at least it is for me the more i get into a market the more i get into a niche the more i get into a topic the more curious i get and the more i want to know and what i find find really really weird is we are we are in a technology world, We are in a technology niche, which is the, the the dynamics product family, or let's say, let's even boil it down to vision and Business Central. And wherever you look at the web, you find market data, you find statistics, you find evidence, you find data. But there seems to be an overall lack about market data adoption data uh, when it comes to vision and Business Central. And at some point of time, for me personally, as a, as a decision maker in a small company, this became crucial because um, my daily job is to make decisions. And some of the decisions are easy and some of the decisions are hard. And and some of the decisions always are made uh, by, by gut feel. But for some decisions, I think it is really crucial to have data. And these are sometimes also decisions where where we decide how to build a certain feature, how to build a certain functionality, which part of the product we should make stronger and which part of the product can leave as they are. And for, for some of these decisions, it would have been really good to have, let's say, objective data and not just asking our salespeople what they hear from their partners and customers. So we have some... Qualitative data, but we don't have quantitative data about business central and manufacturing. And actually, one and a half years ago, I said, "Hey, I want to I want to stop this." Whenever when I ever had these kind some of these questions, um, and I googled them, I got a four or four page because they, these data doesn't exist. So and then I said, "Okay, let's create the data." And the best opportunity to create data is with a survey. So we did this first, um in late 2020, early 21. um, We set up an online questionnaire, we promoted it to our database. So basically we got responses from people we knew and we we did the first version of the State of Business and the Manufacturing Report and it blew me away. It blew me away uh, by the number of responses we got, by the information and by the conclusions we could make, but also by, by the amount of work that this was. So we ran this in in late 2020, early 21, so we we just got the answers, like before the the COVID, COVID, the pandemic kicked in, and and, uh, I mean, since then, we have a lot of tough uh, developments in the world, first as a result of COVID, and now with what is happening uh, in the Ukraine, and so we said now that we are more than 12 months after uh, we did the initial uh, report, let's, let's do it again and ask the same question to see if things have changed since then. So if, like we all know about the supply chain issues, do they have any impact on manufacturers? But also, like, do these needs that we have coming from the global economy, did they Accelerate digitization project. Did they slow it down? Did they accelerate migration from on-prem to cloud? Just understand stand what's happening. So we ran the report, uh, the the survey again, in the first quarter of this year. We again, basically, sent it to the people we knew from our database, but also this time we promoted it much more on social media. We had uh, paid ads to also attract new people, so that it is less, let's say, Netronic database biased. Um. The questionnaire was covered on, on media outlets like uh, Microsoft Dynamics World, on the ERP software blog, um, the Directions for Partner uh, um, Committee, which is the organization that runs Directions EMEA and also Directions uh, Asia. Um, they covered it in their social media channels. So we, um, just by doing it again, we, we had more visibility than first time. And so now, I think we got much more answers that are not that netronic biased as with the first report. And we finished um, collecting the data end of April. I shared preliminary uh, results at uh, Directions uh, North America in in Orlando, Florida um, a few weeks ago. And now I'm in the process of doing the, let's say, the final analysis and writing again the report, which in the end will be, 70 pages and then once it is available i will share it with everybody for free i mean just asking for the email address but there is no i'm not asking for money or anything because i think this data is just too precious to keep it
1: yeah Yeah, so i I would go go for it ken i was just gonna say i i so you know i you're Obviously, there's a lot of lot of information. Uh, we've 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 I've I've looked at the original report and everything, and and it's great. Um, is there maybe just one or two insights that you can share with us today that you've kind of gleaned uh, from the data so far that you might be able to share today with us? Anything uh, that kind of stands out or noteworthy?
0: I can tell you one thing I found interesting from the report when when you shared the, the short things and maybe you can talk about it. So in the report it says that 75% of the people surveyed that were using business central were in the cloud. Um, yes. to me, I found that number a little bit higher than what I expected because the survey primarily deals with manufacturers. So I think that manufacturers have over the past year since your last survey have really gotten on board with becoming more digital. Um, that was that was definitely interesting
2: to me absolutely and um and and we we definitely see also a differentiation um in this in this let's say cloud adoption between those respondents uh, respondents that use dynamics nav and those respondents that use uh, business centered so in terms of the questionnaire we, we split it basically into two parts. So the one part, the one branch, um, asks questions to customers. The other branch asks questions to partners. Um, so what I shared at, at Direction North America was the branch where we asked the questions to partners. And then we try to branch it down so that we can really slice and dice the data. And of course, we asked, like, what system do you use, Navision or Business Central? And we asked, um, are you on-prem or on-cloud? And and what... what uh, what you just referred to is that that 75% of the responding Business Central customers use Business Central in the cloud, whereas 77% of the responding Navision customers use their ERP system um, on premises. So the, the, the interesting um, uh, additional aspect to this is what is the willingness of the Navision customers first to upgrade to Business Central? And this is this is overall um quite high. So we see we see a very, very high loyalty in in the Navision customer base, which is um where where I think all credits go to companies like yours, so to all the all the verse, all the partners dealing with the customers. You guys have have created a very very loyal customer base. And I think for most of the customers, it is not the question that they go from NAV to business, center, but also when, but also there, if I compare the results from now with the results uh, one and a half year ago, the tendency to move to business center rather sooner than later has become bigger. And then there is the other question, if NAV customers want to um, not only move from the vision to business center, which you can on average say yes and yes rather sooner than later but then there's the question will they also change the way of how they use their erp system from on-premises which is the dominant way today to the cloud in the future and there um i think the results are not as clear i think there is still a lot of really? customers yeah 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 55 said um they they not at all consider moving to the cloud um, so wow. this is um, this is a Good. high figure, but, but more than 60% of the customers who said this um, have been using the vision for more than eight years. So I would say there is still like, I call it the gravity of past investment, and this prevents change. So they, I, I would assume that they spend such a high amount in making their really customize or their individual ERP system, that this prevents them to move to the cloud fast. However, this figure of customers who said, hey, not at all was much higher. One and a half year ago. So also there, things are changing, but maybe not as fast as one would expect.
0: Yeah, given the pandemic and, and and whatnot, I would have thought that that number would have been a lot lower than fifty-five percent, just because yeah. of the the accessibility. So that's that, that's shocking. Correct. I'm definitely but, looking forward to the survey.
2: Yeah, but but on the other hand, I mean, let's let's also give some kudos for Microsoft, because I actually know that that initially they were thinking of business central cloud only and at some point of time they made the decision to have business central with like with the same functionality available uh in the cloud and on-premises and this is different to other dynamics product that they have and i mean i'm not a business central reseller but from my point of view this should be a major competitive edge when you talk to any client ab- uh, about Business Central and about an ERP system that they actually have the choice, they have a both-and approach um, and th- they can do and you can deliver them whatever is best for their business. I think this is really um, having sure. a bit of stickiness there is uh, is not not a bad thing actually.
0: No, not at all. I completely agree with you. Um, Ken, anything
1: else you want to know about the uh, the business
0: central manufacturing survey that? Uh, no, Dr. just Martin uh, put I, with the report? no.
1: I mean, it, it's really exciting, and I think it's really insightful. Uh, I thank Martin for taking the time and effort to do it, and I just want to, uh, if anyone is interested in in receiving the report, how uh, how and when can they get that, Martin?
2: Well, uh, how? Send me an email and ask for it. Um, I think there's also a form on our website where you can register. I don't have the URL, but I can share it with you so that you can copy it into the uh, the podcast sure. note if sure you note. like. Yep. Yeah, And then um, it will be available, I think, within the next three to four weeks. So I want to have it at latest, mid-May.
0: Okay, perfect. Yeah. When you get it ready, send us that link. We'll put it in the in the show notes and whatnot. Yeah. We'll even put it out there on our social media platforms to kind of gain, yeah, you gain you. some awareness very, about it.
2: Very cool. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, no, well, I been, think, uh,
2: yeah go ahead, Michael.
0: Let's say I think there's one last thing we need to talk about before we, we, we close down, and that's German beer, unless I missed something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> saved the best for last.
0: Yeah, so I, I want to start off with so I was trying to research some of the, the German beers that you uh, you passed over to us, Martin, and I noticed that yeah. to get into a lot of their websites, it says you have to be 16 or older. Over here in the States, it's 21 or older. Is the legal drinking age in Germany 16?
2: Yeah, for beer, yes. See, yeah, so I, my, I find that... A, sorry. My six, my, I have a boy who is 16 years old, and he can go into a restaurant and order a beer, and he gets it.
0: <laughs> it's amazing. I find it's interesting because I I was researching also the difference between like American beer and German beer. And I I came up with that German beer, usually the alcohol content is between like four and a half and five and a half percent. It can get as high as 16 percent, which we have some of some pretty strong beers out here, too. But in the U.S., it generally ranges from three and a half to three point eight percent. So not only is your drinking age younger, you guys got stronger beer. And something like that, I don't think would we'll ever fly in the United States. What do you think,
1: Ken? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. The all of the, the ones that we were looking at, um, you know, drinking uh this month, they were I think they were all like eight or nine percent. Uh so yeah, e- even stronger. Yeah.
2: yeah and the, le, 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 let me add one more thing to the German beer culture. So there are even, and this is no kidding, there are even um with some very traditional uh, companies in, in, in southern Germany, so in Bavaria, um, there, there are still old employees who have by employee contract the right to have a fridge in their office where they have beer that they can drink for what is called Brotzeit, which is a late breakfast. So they, they, and these are office workers. They come to office um, early morning. Let's say they start at seven, and then they do at nine thirty. They do a breakfast break where they have their a bread and or a pretzel and then they they are officially by work contract allowed to drink a beer. So this is this is um, this is is let's say dying out um, as well, but. Um, really? There are still, yeah, there, there, there. But there are still employees who have, by work contract, the right to drink a beer during work hours in the office.
0: That's great. So it's yeah. just because it's so normalized that nobody really abuses their drinking.
2: Uh, no, I think it's, it's it's whatever? it's 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 part it's part of the culture, and then you know, okay, that then there's one beer in the morning, and that's okay. Right. And right. Uh, and, <laughs> and 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 also like with with. Um, with a 16 year old, um are they, grown up enough to drink beer? Well, if I look at my my youngest son and his friends, definitely not. Um, <laughs> but but they are an interesting age and if they they wouldn't be allowed to drink it officially, then they would do it inofficially. so um <laughs> right
1: uh, yeah so
2: and 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 for some of them, and um, as they they are allowed to drink beer, um, but not allowed to drink hard stuff. Um, uh, like whatever tequila and what so so for some of them actually, then they start reasonable um, with beer and not with shots, which is also I think better.
1: Yeah, we. I, I thought talking about how ingrained it is in the culture. Uh, several, uh, maybe a year or so ago, or more now, we drank a uh, a radler, and yeah. uh, we we did a little research on the radler, and and it was invented, I believe, in Germany uh, many years ago when they tried to outlaw workers from drinking beer on the job, and. According to the German beer laws, they said, "Well, for it to be beer, it had to be like you know, whatever, five percent or above yeah. alcohol." So yes. they just diluted the beer with uh, lemonade or or soda or whatever yeah. to get it just below the threshold, so that it was not officially beer.
2: Yeah. So 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 Radler is actually also um. It is an it is an old German word that means uh, um, cyclist. So if you if you're on a bike, and if you drive a bike, then you are a rattler. And so also, I think rattler was also invented that people who are who drive a bike in traffic, um, that they can drink something without (laughs) getting too, too drunk to drive. (laughs) <laughs> that's
0: great it's a great way of looking at it yeah yeah oh i love it it's great yeah um well all right then i think that about sums it up i know we're coming to a close here on time yeah so just want to say obviously thank you martin we we, we truly appreciate it and uh you know we'll uh definitely be looking forward to the release of, release the report and um uh, you know i hope yeah, it's and- a great time out there in germany
2: yeah absolutely so we have we have spring now and uh uh it's we can we can already uh, sit outside from time to time and drink a beer outside so this is good um i wanted to thank you for running this podcast which is an a really really entertaining way um of getting smarter on business central and uh, i'm really proud that you had me as a guest i know that some of my answers were long so please. Cut them short, if uh, this helps.
0: <laughs> not at all. The longer, the better. We love it. Better to okay. talk than not
1: to
2: talk on a podcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, very cool. So thank you very much. That was fun.
1: Yep. All right, Martin. Well, I'm sure our paths will will cross in the future, and uh, we'll look forward to that.
2: Absolutely. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care, everybody. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: As
0: we end today's podcast, we want to give a big thank you to everyone who listens, shares this podcast, and leaves us reviews. You've taken a good amount of your time out of your day, and we truly appreciate it. Thanks again, and uh, don't be afraid to email us at marketing at solsyst.com with your tips for the podcast, or maybe you'd even like to be a guest during an episode.